The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. One area where President Trump has made conservatives very happy is the judiciary. And yesterday, the president proposed 16 conservative nominees to federal district and circuit courts. Among the nominees were Deputy White House Counsel Gregory Katsis, who is proposed for the District of Columbia Circuit, which is often a launching pad for the Supreme Court, and Minnesota Supreme Court Justice David Strass, who is nominated for the Eighth Circuit, but whom Senator Al Franken of Minnesota is trying to block. Here to talk with us about the president's recent judicial nominations are Brian Fitzpatrick, a professor at Vanderbilt University Law School, and Carl Tobias, a professor at the University of Richmond School of Law. Brian, uh, let's start with the deputy White House counsel, uh, Gregory Katzis. He's, um, it's, you know, I remember that George W. Bush, when he was president, nominated Harriet Myers, his White House counsel, to go on the Supreme Court, and that really didn't go very well. But is it unusual for a president to nominate members of his own legal staff to go onto the federal bench? I don't think it's unusual at all. You may uh, uh, know about um, an incident with um, Elena Kagan, who uh, is currently on the United States Supreme Court when she was in the Clinton White House. Uh, she was supposed to be nominated uh, to the D.C. Circuit. I can't remember if she was nominated and didn't get a, a vote or if she was never quite nominated. But this is, this is not unusual. The president's people uh, are often very talented lawyers, and they often make very talented uh, judges. Now, Harriet Myers was an exception to that rule. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people think that she was not at the very top of the legal profession, and I think that's why her nomination ended up going down. But Greg Katzis is an outstanding lawyer, super smart, very intellectual guy, and, and I think that he'll be confirmed without much difficulty. Carl, do you agree that it's not unusual? There have been a couple of instances, but they seem to be few. Well, I think Brian's right. Uh, there haven't been many, as you suggest. June. Uh, But I would say that uh, Elena Kagan was nominated for the D.C. Circuit, but she was blocked by Republicans at the end of Clinton, I think in 1999. Uh, But the better example, I think, is Brett Kavanaugh, who presently sits on the D.C. Circuit and is highly regarded. And he held a fairly comparable position to Greg Katz's in the Bush administration. So it does happen, but it's not very often. Well, Brian, doesn't it mean though that when these these um, the they're going to have sort of different uh, different confirmation hearings than we often get with uh, nominees because he's going to have to deal as a, as somebody in the White House Counsel's Office right now, isn't he going to have to deal with a lot of the things that have been legally controversial that have happened while President Trump has been president, like the travel ban litigation and things of that nature? Well, what the nominees usually say uh, is that they will recuse themselves uh, from any matters 
that they worked on uh, while in the administration. Right, but won't he, have to, won't he have to deal with his, with, you know, sort of a lot of the legal issues about it and what his views are on those subjects in a way that some nominees manage to avoid talking about when they get Well, he, he may have to answer some questions about uh, what he did or didn't do with regard to some of these matters as a lawyer in the administration. But when he gets on the bench, he will not hear any case that he has worked on as a lawyer. Carl, that seems that that might uh, eliminate a, a lot of cases, particularly for this court in the coming years. The White House could decide to assert legal privilege over his communications with the president. Is that a good move? Well, it's possible. Uh, but remember, Kagan actually had to recuse, and she did on occasion because of her role as Solicitor General. And I expect if Katz is confirmed, he would do the same if he were uh, closely involved. I think his principal responsibility has been uh, vetting uh, judicial nominees, uh, but he may have been involved in uh, some activities like uh, the executive order on immigration and other uh, controversial issues that may uh, be in litigation. And I agree with Brian, he may well uh, recuse if he's directly involved in those matters. It's also interesting to note, uh, will he answer questions uh, involving any of that in the hearing, which I expect will, will come up? Uh, and he may just defer and say, no, I can't, uh, and claim some kind of privilege. Well, Brian, Brian, given that this is, you know, the D.C. Circuit is such an important court, I think you have three justices on the Supreme Court that had served there, and, and certainly it's been a place that is something of a pipeline uh, and deals with so many important governmental issues. I would imagine, you know, with a conservative nominee to this court, the Democrats might want to break him over the coals more than, say, some other places. Do you expect that there, we're going to have a even though he probably will get confirmed, do you say? Do you think you're going to have a lot of opposition from Democrats on this one? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think so. And I'm going to give you two reasons why I don't think there's going to be that much opposition to him. Number one, Greg Katsas is a really nerdy, geeky guy. I know him personally. He does not come across as the face of evil. And so I don't think people are going to feel very intimidated by him, and I don't think they're going to think that he's going to destroy the republic. Number two, I don't think he's being groomed for the United States Supreme Court. I think that if he were a woman or a minority, that would be more of a concern on the part of Democrats, but another white male from the D.C. Circuit, I just don't see that kind of person being someone that is a high likelihood of moving on to the Supreme Court. We're talking with Brian Fitzpatrick of Vanderbilt Law School and Carl Tobias of the University of Richmond School of Law about President Trump's nominations to the federal courts. He made 16 nominations yesterday, all of them very conservative, and the Democrats may be unhappy about it, but they're probably not going to be able to stop them. One possible exception to that, though, is, uh, is the nomination of uh, the Minnesota Supreme Court Justice to the Eighth Circuit. And... Uh, Senator Al Franken is trying to to block that nomination of a justice named David Strass by using a procedure called a blue slip. Carl, can you explain to us what, exa what exactly is this procedure that Senator Franken is trying to use to block this nominee? Well, it's a hundred-year-old tradition uh, that says uh, for nominations to positions in the home state, whether appellate or district, 
the chair of the Judiciary Committee will not schedule a hearing unless both home state senators submit these blue slips saying that they can go forward. Protects the prerogatives of the home state senators and the minority in the Senate. So, Brian, tell us, Al Franken has given a couple of reasons as to why he will not turn in his blue slip for this uh, candidate. Tell us what they are. Well, the only reason I, well, I guess there are two reasons I've heard. Reason number one is David Strauss is too conservative. Reason number two is that President Trump did not consult with Al Franken enough before President Trump nominated him. So lack of consultation and his jurisprudential philosophy is just too conservative for Senator Franken. Well, Carl, um, you know, Senator Grassley, who, uh, who chairs the Judiciary Committee, has, seems pretty committed to moving President Trump's judicial nominees uh, towards confirmation. Is he likely to honor Senator Franken's refusal to put in a blue slip? Uh, I, I think he will, um, because Senator Grassley followed uh, the same process of requiring two blue slips uh, in the last two years of the Obama administration when he was chair of judiciary and had promised even after the election that he would continue to follow that practice. There's been a lot of pressure brought to bear on the chair to change that, but I think he has fairly and efficiently scheduled hearings and moved people as quickly as possible through the committee. Uh, and so we'll just have to see um, what he does in this situation. It is uh, the chair's discretion. And in all eight years of Obama, that was the practice uh, to require two home state uh, senators' blue slips. Um, so we'll see uh, in the days and weeks ahead. Um, even more important, it seems to me, is a letter from the two Oregon senators yesterday essentially saying that there hadn't been consultation. They had a uh, committee they'd set up to make some recommendations to the White House, and then the president nominated, despite that, in a letter to McGahn, the White House counsel, um, the senator suggested they would use their blue slips to block the nominee uh, from yesterday. Brian, do you agree that Grassley will wait for or honor the blue slip tradition? Because I've read reports that he signaled that he might go around it. I don't think he's going to honor them as an absolute rule. There has been some... Um, uh, oscillation or vacillation on how much weight the blue slips get over time. There was a period where they got substantial weight and not absolute weight. And so I suspect he will give some weight to a home state senator's refusal to return a blue slip, but I suspect that he'll be willing to override that if he feels like the senators do not have a very good reason for refusing to return the blue slip. And I will say um, I don't think that David Strauss's qualifications or his jurisprudential philosophy are in any way objectionable and are a decent basis for opposing him. But I will concede that I think the president does uh, make a mistake when he does not consult with these senators before he makes these nominations. 
will will consultation result in some kind of consensus pick between the president and the senators maybe not but he at least ought to go through the motions and try to make the senators feel like they are being listened to before he makes these nominations because i think he really just creates problems that are unnecessary when he doesn't do that well, our thanks to Carl Tobias, professor at the University of Richmond School of Law, and Brian Fitzpatrick, a professor at Vanderbilt University Law School, for being here on Bloomberg Law. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, we're going to talk about Wells Fargo. It's rethinking how to do diversity training after a lawsuit claiming it discriminated against black brokers. Um, it's taking a more focus grouped approach, and uh, we're going to be talking about whether or not that's a better way to approach the issue of diversity within the financial industry. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.